Hey guys, welcome to this episode of Greer Method, the podcast. I am your host, Jared Greer. I'm the an, an executive coach and the founder of Greer Method Complete Coaching. And our episode today is going to be awesome. I always like talking to athletes who are doing really cool things in sport, who compete at very high levels. Uh, but I also like talking to athletes who are also getting it done in their career as well as their personal lives with their families. And our guest today is no exception to that. This guy is amazing. He is a Ironman triathlete, uh, an, a Kona competitor. So he's competing. And actually, the interview is taking place the night before the Ironman World Championships in Kona, Hawaii. And we catch him in kind of a rare, uh, unique opportunity to get into his head a little bit before the race that's going to happen the very next day. And uh, his name is Bryce Williams. He is a, an ophthalmologist from Ogden, Utah. He's been competing in triathlons for several years, is just operating at such a high level. And as you listen to this episode, you're going to hear how intense he is about it, how hard he pushes it, and, and more importantly, how disciplined he is. Something that stood out to me in this interview is that at no at no point in the in the uh, interview does he compare himself to another athlete. Does he talk about how he sits, you know, above or or below other athletes? It's really all about him, about where he's at, about how hard he's pushing um, to get to that next level and achieve what he's trying to achieve. So this interview is really fun because we actually hear some of his unorthodox approaches to training. Um, how he tries to be efficient with his time so that he can balance his training as well as his family. We talk about some of the trade-offs and sacrifices that he's had to make as he grows his practice, but while he also makes time for, for training and some of the benefits that he's seen in his own life and some of, quite honestly, the challenges that he's seen his patients as he sees them later in life um, and talks about some of the trade-offs that they've made as they've gotten older over the years. We talk about who's been influential in his life, how he has benefited from their guidance, and we talk about how does an Ironman actually relax or recover after something as big as the Ironman World Championships. So this guy is elite in the true sense of the word in all areas. So please sit back. If you love this episode, share it with your friends like it, leave a review and comment on uh, iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, because that helps us spread the message, helps us spread the vibe and the influence and uh, get, get more people uh, attuned to what we're doing here. So sit back and enjoy this episode with Ironman Bryce Williams. Tell us what got you into triathlon. We're just going to go back and we'll talk more about sure. kind of what the premises of the, of the show, but I want to just get into triathlon. What got you started? Uh, well, I, uh, I've always had some athletic interest. I swam in high school and a little bit in college. Uh, and then um, I kind of took up motocross uh, as a competitive outlet uh, after college and uh but then you know once i uh got married and i had a little girl uh and i injured my shoulder on motocross on a race on a, a practice racing uh i decided to hang up that sport 
kind of, you know, it was too dangerous. And you know, I was in the middle of medical school and such. And so my wife uh, had competed in triathlons. And, uh, and when we moved back from South Carolina to Utah, she and her father uh, was also a triathlete. They encouraged me to sign up and try one. And, and I said, sure, you know, we'll, we'll do one. And it was, it was a lot of fun. And uh, it seemed like, you know, something that uh, would interest the whole family. So, mm. so uh, I kept, I picked up the, the bug from there. And then, you know, I kind of took it past what she originally <laughs> wanted it to be. <laughs> but, um, but that's how I got into it. Yeah. So motocross, much faster bike, right? Than uh, the yeah. bike that you're on now. So what was that transition like for you? What was your first initial response to it? Um, yeah, it, it's not quite that, you know, motocross has the adrenaline pumping and the, the big jumps and, and, and I still miss that, uh, to this day, but, um, the competitive side, uh, of triathlon is, it's actually more, uh, since I can ride my bike or run or swim daily, uh, it has a different advantage over motocross because motocross it took a lot to you have to drive to a track or drive to where you're going to ride and then you only can usually do that once or twice a week whereas uh, triathlon training can be daily and so i've come to more enjoy the training of triathlon more than i did the motocross do you find that that's common that athletes enjoy the training uh as much as the racing i mean that seems kind of rare to me um, I think it is a little bit more rare, especially in the people that maybe take it up for a period of time, because the races are so far and few between in triathlon that um, you, if you have a few bad races, then you're kind of like, oh, this isn't fun. You know, I do all this training and then I end up having a bad day. And so those individuals tend not to stay in the sport, whereas, uh, you know, the people that enjoy the training uh, the race day is kind of the icing on the cake, but it's not the main course, you know, it's kind of, yeah, yeah, it's fun to race, but uh, you have to enjoy the process. I always tell people that I love finishing. That's it. I, I love finishing a workout. I go to the gym so I can leave. Like, I just like being done. And so even in the training, it's kind of that same thing for me where I just like being done. And sometimes that's enough to get me started, but I don't, I'm not the guy that loves running, loves riding. Um, and you and I, we met 2014. Was that when Maryland was? I, I believe so. I think we met 2014 yeah. Ironman Maryland. Might have been 15. I don't, I don't No, it was 14. It was 2014. So we met at Ironman Maryland. Um, you've been racing for a while. So tell us about one of your bad races. What is, what, what's your very worst race memory? <laughs> well, let me think. Um... They, uh, I'd have to think about that one for a second. It would, um, you know, there was one this year that, uh, I, I didn't have a great race. It was just, you know, I didn't perform nearly as well as all my training numbers were, um, my swim, I got dropped from the front group. And so I was swimming on my own and then the bike actually went fairly well, but my run pace was so slow that I got passed by several people and, and, 
and it was a frustrating day, but you know, in the end, it was fine. You just when you when you have a bad day like that, you just say, you know what, my body just that's what it had today. I still did my best, and you put it behind you and you just move on. Yeah, we're we're gonna get into the mindset, but that does not count as the a bad race, Bryce. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I remember for me, St. George, two thousand twelve, where basically I almost drowned and ended up getting a DNF and had to be pulled out by a boat. That's a bad race. So <laughs> I don't I don't have any empathy for you just not having a good you know a good swim yeah. or a good bike. <laughs> what how far have you come so you've been training for you've been you've been competing for a long time walk us through kind of where you're at now and then maybe where you were when you started and just how far have you come because i think you're sponsored now you've got a couple of sponsors you're working with you're sure. finishing yeah. i mean faster than some of the pros right so walk us through what yeah. that, that transition has been like well you know the the first ironman i did uh I I just wanted to finish and uh and it was a great race and that and I met my goal you know I finished um between now and then uh you you each time you race you kind of add another piece to the puzzle and there's many pieces of this puzzle of an ironman race you have your how to pace you have your nutrition problems you have uh how to uh, plan out your race, um, how to, how to train appropriately and, and all those different aspects have come in each, each time you race. So I, I believe that as you, as you go through a training block and you, you're talking like a four month or a five month period of time where you train up to a race, each time I've done that, I've learned more and more about, uh, how to do the race properly. And, and before it was more of a how to finish an Ironman, and now it's how to race an Ironman, and and it's totally different, totally different animal to race an Ironman, uh, like you would a 5K or a 10K, versus am I just gonna slog this out and I just want to make it make, make it, it home. across the finish line? Yeah, I I look back on my my first race was uh, Silverman in Nevada, which was a full distance. Um, and I look back and I just think, number one, I was totally unprepared. But number two, I, I'm just so grateful that I actually finished because I don't think that I would have stayed with it had I not finished. I think I would have right. been just really disappointed and maybe I would have come back. I, I don't know. But what was your first Ironman race? I had my first full distance race was, a, was Vine Man. It was before it was an Ironman okay. branded race. And that was, I think, 2013. And... Uh, it was it was super fun. Everybody was so supportive and uh, really enjoyed the race. But yeah, it was more of a just kind of finish finishing it out. Try not uh, to walk too. Make much. a cross finish line. Yeah, right. Try not to walk. Yeah, I've <laughs> I, I don't th I think I've had one race where I've not really walked, uh, but I did take off my shoes a couple times. Anyways, <laughs> we're not talking about my races. Um, <laughs> so so. Talk to me about how triathlon has kind of spilled over into the rest of your life. You've got kids, you've got a wife, you've got a practice. What what has triathlon's impact been on all of that? Well, uh, both good and bad, I think, uh, like anything. True. Um, you know, the 
the good the good parts are that it uh it helps me focus uh i'm more of an introverted type personality and uh so while training might drain a lot of people's energy it actually helps me to re hit the reset button mm. and so when mm. i when i can go and just train on my own and and be done i'm ready to face a day where i'm seeing 40 people you know 40 different patients every day and and that that to me is more draining than doing a two-hour bike session it's so true. yeah so for me and it helps me to be a better dad too you know i have more patience with my kids and a better husband so in, in that regard i think the training helps me quite a bit uh, the bad part is that uh, physically it does drain me especially after my long days and my long training days can be anywhere from four hours to you know seven hours and uh and that can sometimes even be back to back so a friday i can go six five six hours and then a saturday i'll have two two hour sessions so i'm going 10 hours in two days and that drains me quite a bit and so my energy levels on a saturday afternoon might be less than what i'd wish and also on a sunday you know i'd like to be a little more peppy um for my kids <laughs> for my wife but you know that that's that's the trade-off and you and you have to have that discussion with your family ahead of time before you just commit to train for a race and you say okay there's going to be about you know two months two and a half months here where dad's going to be tired on Saturdays and he's not going to want to, you know, play on the trampoline or, or something, you know, so there's a sacrifice for that. And, uh, so that's kind of the bad part of Ironman, which you don't have, I think in other sports, you're running, you know, you can run 80 miles in a week training for a marathon and it only is going to take you 10 to 15 hours, you know, in total. And you can get that done in the mornings and you have the rest of your life. To... Let me so, just make a disclaimer there for all of our listeners who it will take way longer than 10 or 15 hours to do 80 miles a week. So just, <laughs> just please don't try this at home. Consult with your physician or whoever before you take Bryce's advice and say, next week I'm running 80 miles. <laughs> it's only going to take me 10 that's, hours, hon. It's, that's <laughs> true. There's, yeah, there's, yeah, there's different paces out there. So I remember, and I might misremember, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I feel like I remember when we were in Maryland so many years ago, um, I remember we were all having a conversation. So for those who don't know, we, we were kind of all staying in this athlete house a little bit. Um, and I remember my wife and your wife were, and, and you were talking about you kind of making a trade-off between more hours at your practice and more hours in training. Do I remember that right? Can you walk us through yeah, that? That's true, yeah. Yeah, I I just since I have my own practice, I can have control of my schedule and so when I'm training for an Ironman, I'll take a half day uh Friday and actually in the future I'm going to take my full Friday off and uh, uh but yeah, I'd take a half day Friday to train in the morning and then I'd work a little bit in the afternoon and then on Saturday I had the day off. Uh, otherwise I would only train early in the morning or I had a regular clinic schedule otherwise. Yeah. Gotcha. So, and you know, one of the things that I do, I work with executives, entrepreneurs, business owners, and so often they're giving up their health, their, their wellness for their career, for the money that they would make. And 
just the idea of you're, you're voluntarily making less money so that you can spend more time doing this thing that, I mean, let's be honest, you're probably losing money, right? Cause all oh, of the time. Sure. And, so walk us yeah, through why that, why that's a trade-off that you're willing to make. What's the psychology behind it? How does your family feel about it? Yeah, sure. Well, I think physicians have a little bit of an advantage in that we live in poverty for so many years before we make any money. <laughs> and so you kind of get used to not spending money on stuff or at least living off of a very small income. And uh, so right out of residency, you know, uh, you know, all of a sudden we jumped, you know, up to the top tax bracket uh, or whatever, but we didn't stop our habits of, you know, shopping at Target or at Ross or for clothes, you know, and, and we didn't stop the we didn't start living lavishly all of a sudden because we had debt, right? So you're making money, but you still have debt to pay off. And so, so you're slowly transitioning into the idea of like, well, we have extra funds and, and we, we actually are comfortable living off much less than what we make. And so to, to worry about, Oh, I'm going to, if I, if I stop triathlon and I work an extra 10 hours a week, you know, what is that going to equate to in the long run? You know, yeah, it's going to be a sizable amount of money, but uh, I'm already living this, you know, this low below my my means. Like, why, why do I care about putting in a little extra away uh, at this point? You know, uh, I think it's that we're just, we're happy living off a lot less than what we make. I love that. That's such good advice. What would you say to the, you know, the, the business owner, the entrepreneur, maybe who, who is making some of those trade-offs for their health, their health is kind of getting away from them in pursuit of, you know, maybe building that career, building, you know, more money, more wealth. What, what kind of advice would you have for them? Um, you know, I would, I would say the first thing to do is, is sit down and list your priorities and, uh, and then, you know, ask yourself, am I, am I, am I living my life to meet those priorities and, and, uh, and making the, the changes that you need to make in order to, to meet those priorities. You know, some people's priorities is to, to be, to make a lot of money and, and that's fine, you know, at the sacrifice of your health, but I've never talked to someone that's retired and them. And uh, so I see people who are in their seventies and eighties all day long. Right. I see those, that's the age group of my patients. And so I get a lot of perspective from them and I've never met anyone that said, Oh, I wish I would have worked more (laughs) or man, I wish I would have just made a little more money there. It's all like, man, I wish I would have spent a little more time with my family. Or, you know, I wish I would have taken better care of my health early on because now every day I have to go see doctors. You know, they're very frustrated with their health. And, but I also, um, there's, you know, I have a few patients in particular that lived it right and they, they have great health. They, uh, they took charge of their situation early on and yeah, they made less money most likely in the beginning, but they uh it's not bothering them now 
That's, I think that's powerful. I hope people take that away. Cause I know, you know, when I work with somebody who's later on in life, I hear those same things. It's not, I wish I had grown my business more or made more money. It's man, how do I now I'm in some case, I'm helping them reconnect with their kids, reconnect with their, you know, their spouses. Um, because that's, that's the trade-off. And maybe at the time they said, well, this is all for the family, but they were never around the family. They were always in the business trying to make more money. And now they're trying to get their health back. They're trying to get their families back. And that's just, it's a difficult, difficult place to be in. So talk to us about how your mentality has changed, or maybe it hasn't just around. I mean, how has endurance sports changed your mentality or perspective of maybe what the human body can do or physical limits, that kind of uh, perspective? Yeah, abs- uh, that is a big part of uh, Ironman training is is training your brain to accept pain and not slow down. Uh, the body itself has a, a governor system on it, and your your brain will most likely shut down your body before it actually gets to the point where it needs to shut down. And there's been plenty of studies that prove that. And so in training, uh, I have pictures on my wall. I'm, I'm not at home, but I can show you. But I have pictures on my wall that say, you know, it's only in your head. You know, meaning the pain that you're experiencing or the suffering that you're experiencing is really only in your head. Your body can perform much more than what you're what it's given you at this moment. And uh, so mind over matter is actually kind of a true thing. And, and there are some exceptions to that out. You know, and those people are usually the professional or the Olympians uh, because they have the ability to to push past what the brain thinks it can do and uh, or what the body is telling it is it can do. And the brain's just like, no, you you got this. Just go for it. What what strategies do you employ to push beyond those physical limits? Yeah, it, um, a lot of positive self talk in the moment, uh, living in the moment. So. Uh, instead of thinking about the pain, I, I'll focus on my my cadence, for example, uh, you know, and I'll start uh, trying to uh, distract my mind. The mind can only focus on one thing at a time. So, you know, uh, counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, one, two, three, you know, just repeating that over and over. And eventually uh, you kind of forget about the, the pain or the, the suffering aspect and and you're like okay I'm back on track and and uh, there's definitely a a roller coaster type of emotion in a race uh, uh, that you you have to kind of get through the dips and also the highs you have to kind of try and stay in the middle the whole time and and just accept the situation and 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 adapt and uh, and try and move forward without getting down on yourself you know the dark yeah. spots. That wasn't a strategy that I was looking for, but that's okay. Cause I remember a video that I think your wife posted where you put cardboard boxes on the sides of your oh, yeah. treadmill. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That, so that you couldn't get off either side. I can't and- step off. I either, I either <laughs> die. Yeah, exactly. Keep going. I did. I was getting in a bad habit of, of taking a little pause. I'm, and in my head, after the workouts and stuff, I'm just like, that was stupid. Like, there's no reason for me to stop. I'm doing fine. I'm not, I'm not 
So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to eliminate that temptation. And after a few weeks, I could get rid of those cardboard boxes. And I, and I kept that good habit of just keep going. So it just took a little transition period where, you know, develop a new habit. I mean, habits is my wheelhouse. That's what I'm always working on with people. What drives you? Like what pushes you? I mean, clearly you are um, someone who achieves at a high level in a lot of areas. So what, what is it that really pushes you and drives you? Um, yeah, I get asked that a lot. I don't, I, I just feel it's a almost a expectation of myself. Um, like I'm going to, I need to, I need to do something. I'm going to get up and train today. Um, it's not a, a question of, well, I, maybe I'll skip this one and get up tomorrow, <laughs> you know, sleep in, hit the snooze button and sleep in. I don't know. There's just something about, uh, I think it's an inherent drive that I've developed over the years. Um, you know, I had an interesting job in college where I, I'd sell books door to door, a cold call. And, uh, and that was tough, you know, but it developed some habits of, you know, uh, just a self, what's the word? It's kind of a, a self expectation or a self, uh, you know, you, there's no, there's no, uh, possible. It's not, it's an no expectation excuses. that I'm going to do it. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, interesting. Cause you said you're an introvert and you're going door to door selling books. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I can see how that would yeah, be I know, right. Yeah, that that would train the mind a little bit, right? For uh, yeah. for an introvert, how do you balance it all? You've got the practice, you've got your family, you've got young kids. You know, yeah. how, how are you still a, a you know a good surgeon, a good husband, right. a good dad? How do you balance it all? Well, uh, I think efficiency is the key. Um, you know, there's there's I plan things out ahead of time. And, uh, yeah, I never train with other. So one of the huge time suckers that can happen with Ironman training is if you try to meet up with other people to train with them, I, I say, I do that like four times a year. Mm. Uh, I never train with anyone else. I, I train in my own house. So I rarely ride my bike outside. Uh, I have a, a little endless pool in my house. Or I go to a swimming pool, which is five minutes away, and then I treadmill run half the time, or I'll just run straight from my house. So efficiencies, you gotta you gotta plan for efficiency to to get it all in. Mm -hmm. or, or here's another example: uh, my son had a birthday party, uh, and uh, it was from like two to to 4:30, so it was an hour and a half and i was like perfect that's how long my run is so i i went there i planned it so i show i'm i'm driving i'm ready to run right i even have like my headphones in i have my heart rate monitor on i'm ready to like jump out the door and so we drop him off i go inside i say hey was this is done in an hour and a half right so like yep pick him up at four or whatever and I'm like, great. And I walk outside, I start my Garmin and I'm running and, uh, and I already knew what route I was going to take. And I show back up and he's ready to walk out. And 
So that, that saved my wife from having to drive him there and, and back. So it was kind of a favor to her. I got my run in and he got to go to his birthday party as like, you know, win-win. Dude. So those, those type of things. Yeah. Cl I mean, yeah. clicking on all cylinders, right? You're looking for solutions that are, you know, win-win multiple things at once. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. How do you, how do you focus on your kids? So, you know, certainly, and, and I, I know, cause I've trained for these events. I mean, it's, it's tough when you've been gone all day long and, you've been outside all day long for maybe a long run or a long ride. And then you come home and they want to go outside or they want to go run around or jump on the trampoline. What kinds of things do you do to maybe keep that balance with the kids? So they're not saying, dad, do you love triathlon more than me? Kind of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, uh, periodization is something that I believe in. And that's where there's going to be periods when you are, sacrificing some of your family time for triathlon but then there's other times when you're down when your body needs to recover and that's when it's family time and focus time so for example after this race we're flying over to Maui and spend a week there and I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna think about running or biking or swimming in fact I'm not gonna think about that for probably a month uh, I may I may get up and do something for fun but it's in, it's definitely family focused time. We we've planned uh, a trip. Uh, we do our lagoon trip after Kona, so the, which is an amusement park in Utah. So we we will the kids look forward to that uh, in uh, late October. So that's after Kona, and that's been planned. We plan a, a Thanksgiving trip uh, after you know so that that family focus can come a little bit after I'm done with my part. And then the other thing that I've come to feel is that the kid playtime and, and activity time and stuff with the kids is part of my training. Uh, in that if, uh, you know, part of an Ironman is late in the game, you, you're tired, but yet you have to ask more of your body. And the same thing can kind of apply to, to the kids and stuff. So I'll have my big, long training day. And then, and then I say, you know what, my training is not done now. I'm just changing sports and I'm going to play with my kids. And so it's an extension a little bit in my, in my head of, yeah. of training. And, yeah. and so, yeah, let's go play on the trampoline. This is, this will be my strength training or, or, you know, whatever. <laughs> Push your mind to play. You probably have less My Little Ponies than I have, but you know, you, you have more transformers, but for me, it's like, okay, I can, I can be the little ponies and I can, you know, run around. So love that. What are, what are your goals for Kona? This is tomorrow. Tell well, like, what are you, feeling? Yeah, how are you feeling? What, what, what's the plan? I'm feeling really good. I'm, uh, I'm healthy. It's, it's one of the only races I've showed up to being being able to train without injury uh affecting it uh, great yeah and so th that's been great um tomorrow my goals are going to be focused a lot on things i can control you know my attitude my effort my heart rate my nutrition um you know those sorts of things and i don't I, I don't even want to know where I am in the overall standings until, you know, the last half of the run 
or even the last third of the run. And that's when things can really shake up, especially here in Hawaii, where if you've, you know, Maryland was a great race, but it wasn't tax, so taxing that you could make some mistakes and still do okay. Mm-hmm. Here, if you make mistakes uh, early on, they will show up in the middle of the run or the late end of the run. And so, uh, you know, the, at that stage, if I'm still feeling good, then yeah, I do. Even if I don't feel good, I want to know where I'm at. And you know, one of my goals is to really perform on that last, you know, 10 miles or so of the marathon. So, so my coach is going to be out there and he's going to tell me where I'm at at about, you know, halfway through the run. And at that point, um, the hope is I can run my way up, you know, in the, I don't know where I'll end up, you know, that's not really controllable, but if I can just have my best, best miles at the end of the marathon. Dude, that is incredible. I'm super excited for you. I think, man, I mean, you're lightning fast anyway, so I'm excited to see how you, how you, you stack up. And this is your second time doing Kona, right? Right. Yeah. And the first time wasn't, I didn't race, you know how I was talking about the difference between uh, doing an Ironman and racing an Ironman. When mm-hmm. I was here last time, I was not racing. I was doing it. Uh, and t- tomorrow I plan to race it. You're racing. You're racing. Yeah. That's awesome. So um, the, po- the podcast is the Greer Method. And so my business is Greer Method Complete Coaching. And my methodology, the Greer Method, is all about three things. The first thing is achieving consistency. The second thing is building technique. And the third thing is managing intensity. Of course, all of those have a place in Ironman and yeah. certainly in life. So let's just kind of walk through those and just talk from your perspective. What are some of the habits, and it doesn't just have to be triathlon, but just life in general or triathlon. What are some of the habits that you feel you should be or need to be consistent in? Well, good question. So, uh, I mean, in Ironman, consistent, uh, and this, I guess, applies to life, too, is if you're consistently uh, doing what you need to do to achieve your goals, the the process ends up taking care of itself and you know people who like want to race an Ironman they they need years of training before the body's ready for something like that and going out and having a big day once a week is not gonna make it uh you know let's say you have 10 hours a week to train and you can choose to put five of those hours on one day and then one hour the rest of the days and take one day off is less effective than doing two hours, five days a week. So consistent every day training is going to be a lot more effective than having these binge and purge sort of pattern. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I think the same goes, you know, with life in general, you know, when I, to be a good ophthalmologist, you know, it'd be better for me to do uh, five cataract surgeries a week than every week than 25 once on one day a month. You know, I'll lose a lot of skills or, or, you know, my comfort level with the surgeries 
would be much better if I'm doing a little bit more frequently. Love, love that. And so the, the base of the habits, that kind of lays the foundation, right? We're consistent with our habits, especially in triathlon, the habit of, you know, going and doing the training, the habit of eating right, the habit of, you know, just putting in the work. Um, talk to us about where the technique comes in, especially you're at a level where that's where you make gains at this point, right? I mean, technique and still improving your fitness, but, you know, how important is having the proper technique? you know, in what you do in, in both your, you know, surgery as well as in Ironman. Yeah, sure. Well, um, you know, technique or, or form, uh, r running or swimming, uh, and, and even biking with proper form will not only make you more efficient. Uh, so that means you can achieve a higher speed with less effort, but it also is, is crucial with, uh, injury prevention and uh you know if you uh, and same with ophthalmology if you're if you sit properly underneath the microscope you're going to prevent back injuries and, and and you'll be more consistent in your approach to to the way you operate and so uh yeah i i work on my technique uh often um almost at, in every day uh, you think about like, am I, am I using the proper running form and, and all of my strength training, uh, is focused on maintaining proper form. So like a good, strong core, uh, will not only help my swim, but my run, it'll help me prevent injury. I immediately just tried to sit up more in my chair. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, core, I need. I need that as well. I'm wearing my Ironman Maryland shirt. I love it. Yeah, I still in, have mine in too. honor. <laughs> I had to I go go dig it out. But um, and then what about managing intensity? So I, and I love the the you know five hours of training versus the you know two hours of training on five days. Like that's that's obviously better. How do you manage that intensity with you know too much intensity pushing into injury or burnout? And too little of it of intensity leading to maybe complacency or you know mediocrity. How do yeah. you think about managing it, that intensity? So you, first, you have to pick what metric you're going to use to measure your intensity. Um, in athletics, you know, there's different methods. One one is the RPE or RP relative perceived exertion, which is a a very subjective way of doing it. Um, but it works great for more advanced athletes. So the professionals will often um, measure their intensity by their perceived exertion, just because they have so much experience that they have an accurate feel of my body can take this right for this long. I'm not being that experienced myself. Um, I have to use heart rate as a as a metric to to monitor my intensity and uh over the years uh and through testing i've developed and my coach has helped me with this um different heart rate zones for different intensities so you have your your very low and different people define these zones differently some people have zone one to five and the the coaching group that i use has four zones there's the zr zone uh, recovery which is way easy like 
and then there's a gap uh, of intensity where it's where we don't really hang out in that area. And then we have zone one, which zone one is aerobic effort. And then you know, zone two is just uh, just above threshold or right around threshold effort. And then we have zone three, which is uh, way above threshold. It's an effort that you can only hold for you know a short amount of time. So we have those three, really those three zones that we operate in. And then we have this recovery zone that we are, is like, you know, barely walking sort of effort. Sort of so, so 80% of my time training is spent in zone one is aerobic. And then 20% is above that. However you want to split it up, however you, zone two or zone three. So depending on how much intensity I want to have that particular week, but we're very uh, injury. If you do, do too much at a high intensity, that's when the injury is going to hit. Yep. Yeah. I, I love that. And I think that's why that's a part of, you know, what, what I work with people on is because people oftentimes when they haven't spent the time developing the consistency of habits or the proper technique, they're like, well, I'm just going to go out and do, do all of it at, at once. And then, they spend, you know, they, they push themselves to injury or a burnout and they're burning the candles at both ends and it just it yeah. doesn't work out. You, I, I, even when we met back in Maryland, you know, you were working with a coaching group at the time. Um, give us maybe some highlights of what a coach, what, what coaching has done for you and maybe even a shout out to like who have been really meaningful coaches for you. Not necessarily yeah. people that you pay, but just people who have, you know, who have been good coaches to you. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, my, my athletic coach has been crucial is worth every penny just because he has a bigger picture. He has a better perspective and, you know, I get caught up in, well, I want to do well on this race and his focus is more of, well, I want to develop you as a better person and a better athlete. And yeah, you, you, this race is important to you, but I see hundreds of races in the future. And so, you know, let's, let's not sacrifice things that are more important for, for something that you see, you know, so he sees the forest for the trees and I'm more focused on, oh crap, I had a bad workout. <laughs> so, uh, so that's, that's been great. Um, and, uh, and with the experience that he's a professional triathlete and he, he brings a lot of experience to the table. And so, you know, I can bounce ideas off him whenever I need to. Um, other, other life coaches, you know, my father-in-law has been a, oh, and I love him to death, but, but he set the bar so high that my, <laughs> that my, my wife looks at me and is like, aren't, why aren't you more like my dad? So he's been a great coach. Uh, and just in giving me an example of like, okay, this is, you know, he, he's a, he's an amazing man and, uh, and loves his family so much. And, and the, the things that he did and does is an example to me. So he's a coach for sure to me. Um, Love that. Yeah. I mean, I've had other uh, mentors and things in the professional arena that have done things meaningful to me too. Yeah. Well, I, I love that you are, you know, e even though you are somebody who is driven, who is always planning and prioritizing and thinking of goals, and you still are surrounding yourself with people who are going to push you, people who are going to, 
you know, encourage you and motivate you to take it up a notch, regardless of whether or not you really need much of that, it's there. And it, you know, it's, it's moving that, that little bit more. So, uh, totally love that. Um, so goals tomorrow, do you have a goal time tomorrow? Is it to not, and don't talk about it if you don't need, if, if I don't want to mess oh, with yeah. your mind the night before your race. I mean, it's so hard uh, because it's it's such a variable conditions race. Uh, like today, the winds are fairly calm. And so if I was right, and the, it doesn't seem super hot, but if I was racing today, I could probably be in the low nines, right? Um, I, I've gone 842 as my PR in Texas, and that was a really fast course. This course is much more challenging. Um, but I could see, you know, on a really mild day, I could break nine hours here, I think. But tomorrow it could be windy and it could be 10 degrees hotter. And so, and then my time could be like in the 940s. I, I do feel like I'll be under 930 no matter what. But how far under that uh, depends a little bit on, you know, my day and the conditions. Yeah. How does training for Kona differ from training for the other races here in the States? Um. I I focused more so there is not a flat piece of land out here and mm. so I uh I was always doing hills um whether and always and trying I run my long runs were always like at one o'clock in the afternoon on the hottest day I could find um <laughs> in a on hills and my bike sessions were all inside uh, and the way we the way we train for heat inside is I get on a program called Zwift. I don't know if you've heard of oh, yeah. Zwift. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I'll get on Zwift. So then then I have the variable resistance. So it mimics hills. And I wear a sweatshirt and I put a light fan on my legs just so that I don't sweat through my socks too much. Because otherwise I'll get so much sweat going down my legs that it makes my feet really sloshy. It's kind of gross. So at least the sweatshirt will absorb all the sweat and the fan will blow off the sweat that gets past that. And I change my sweatshirt out every hour because every hour I've already soaked through a sweatshirt and, uh, and I keep my room in the mid seventies. So both temperature and humidity. Um, and that's, that's what I'll train in for every, every single session running. And if I can't run outside in the heat, I'll run in my treadmill in the heat. This is, I mean, I'm like shocked right now. I mean, I've, I've seen the videos of the cardboard boxes. I've seen the videos of your kid, you know, jumping on you while you're in your endless pool. Like I've seen all that, but I'm, I'm, I'm blown away right now. I'm blown away. And what it really makes me think of is I always believe that the amount of voluntary suffering that we put ourselves through makes, yeah. makes involuntary suffering happen much less because you put yourself through such rigor that, I mean, how, do, how does one come into Bryce's life and make it a bad day? I just don't, <laughs> unless they're like wrapping you up in blankets and beating you with a bat. I feel like you're going to be like, hey, this isn't that bad. <laughs> Probably some truth to that, yeah. That's funny. Wow. Well, Bryce, you are the man. I'm excited to see how you do tomorrow. I'm so grateful that uh, you just made yourself available 
um, for all, everybody who's listening, I mean, I literally sent him a message yesterday saying, Hey, can we, can we chat? And he's like, yeah, let's, let's do it. So, um, just thank you for being accessible and available and just being a, a great guy. You inspire me as an athlete. I hope that you'll inspire many, many others who will listen to this or, or watch this on the replay. Um, if you have questions for Bryce or myself, then put them in the comments, definitely, um, you know, po post them there, but thank you for your example as an athlete, as a professional, you know, professional, as a husband and as a dad, I think that you give people some good, good things to think about as we kind of retool our own, our own approach to life. So thank you. Thank you. Anything, anybody you want to thank or give a shout out to, or anything you want to say before I let you get, go back to the uh, mental game of preparing? Uh, well, sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, thank you for setting this up and, uh, and right back at you. There's, there's some things that have happened in your life that I don't know that I could have dealt with, to be honest. I appreciate so you're an that. example to me too. Um, and, you know, of course, my, my coach, Doug McLean with QT2 Systems, and, and then my sponsors are Zone 3. They have great swim products. And uh, Infusion makes uh, my race kit, and they have great, you know, uh, athletic wear. Uh, and then, uh, you know, uh, my wife is the biggest one. She, she uh, has taken a big uh, backseat to, to some of my endeavors and, and that's a temporary thing. And, and I think this, we're going to move into a transition where I'm more focused on, on magnifying her uh, over the next little bit. And I may not end up coming, doing another Ironman for a year or two. We'll see. Um, we will but, see. Know, we will see. I've, <laughs> I've said that before and, and she's been so sweet to, but anyway, so she and the kids, you know, they're so family. I, I love them so much. I wouldn't be able to do this without their support. Good. Well, thank you. What a, what a good example of somebody who puts the work in and gets the results. And you guys can't see because he's only showing from his neck up. But, dude, this guy is in legit shape. So watch him on Kona. We're going to see him come through. Thank you, Bryce, so much. And uh, definitely let us know how it goes. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Okay, buddy. Appreciate Thanks, you. Bryce. See ya. Bye. I hope you loved that episode as much as I did. This guy, honestly, I mean, <laughs> I'm impressed with all of my guests. I love interviewing all of my guests and hearing their strategies for doing things um, and hearing how, how great they are at operating at such a high level. But this one inspired me in ways that I don't think I've been inspired before. Bryce has such a just high level work ethic that nothing will stand between him and his goals and objectives. And you can tell he just doesn't make excuses for himself. He, he is so highly disciplined in all areas of his life. And it's just, it's fun to be a part of. It's fun to listen to. It's fun to, to observe. And as I said in the interview, you know, a couple of times I've seen that I've seen his wife post these videos of his work ethic and just hearing some of the things that aren't, you know, publicly posted on, on social media is just invigorating. And for those of you who are like, okay, well, how did he actually do in the, in the race? Well, I'm going to give you an update right now because he placed fifth overall in his age group. I mean, this guy did a swim. So just for those of you who don't know, an Ironman, 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, and then a marathon. 
This guy did a swim in about 50 minutes, 53 minutes. Uh, he was eighth in his age group for that. He did the bike in about four and a half hours. He was 18th uh, in, in his age group for that, 153rd overall um, out of over 2,500 competitors. And then his marathon, he did a 322. So three hours, 22 minutes. He was 26th in his age group there as far as the pace there, 241st overall. The guy dropped an average pace of seven minutes and 39 seconds. So 101st overall out of all competitors, fifth place overall in his age group, and just a stellar finish. I saw pictures afterwards um, of him with basically saying, hey, I'm going to lose all of my toenails. And I just <laughs> I see that and I think, man, how often do we really push ourselves to the point where you know, we're going to lose our toenails. And certainly the guy was able to push past that pain that there was inevitably, you know, was, was inevitably present to be able to achieve his goal and do what he needed to do. So take this today and hopefully, you know, that this is something that motivates you and drives you and pushes you to do more. If you love this episode, which I'm sure you did, if you're still listening, of course you loved it. Um, then please leave a comment on iTunes or wherever you're listening to your podcasts because that helps us get the message out. It helps us spread Bryce's phenomenal story and helps the, the Greer Method um, reach more people as well. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being a, a fan and a listener. And uh, we will see you on the next episode.